0: Uh, It's really good to be here. Uh, I was telling someone this morning that um, uh, I suppose I've lived all my life in country New South Wales and in fairly remote places as well and been a Christian and been trying to encourage and get evangelical ministry happening and uh, so to have this kind of discussion in regional Australia is pretty exciting I reckon. Um, I've called called what I want to talk about a mindset for regional Australia Uh, recently a friend of mine who was talking to another friend of mine uh, uh, the the fellow who was talking is a bloke who works with us in FIEC named Jim Uh, you can ask me what FIEC is (coughs) later if you want to talking to a pastor of an independent evangelical church in regional Australia, who was doing it a bit tough. And he said to him, what, have you got a five-year plan? What's your five-year plan? And this pastor replied with something like, if I had my wish, I would be on the mission field in five months. And he meant Papua New Guinea. Now... It's a telling comment, which reflects much of my experience in uh, rural Australian churches. That—that that is, that mission is something that happens somewhere else, 90% of the time in another country. And if it's in Australia, it'll be probably cross-cultural uh, ministry with Aborigines in northern Australia or west, or the you know Western New South Wales. Um, so I want to talk about a mission mindset for regional Australia and I think it's going to key in nicely with what Russ just told us. Um, why do we think that mission happens overseas? I said to Jim, when, I, said, I, I hope you said to him, Jim, you don't have to go to Papua New, New Guinea to find a, a, a mission field. There's probably more non-Christian people in your city than there are in Papua New Guinea. (laughs) So I want to talk about a mission mindset for regional Australia. I want to just run you through what I'm going to do. Um, I want to talk about a great commission mindset. I suppose I want to dial you into how I think, how I've been brought up to think and why I do what I do. Um, I want to uh, just say as we go through, and this is in line with what I said That uh, God's mission organisation is the church. Okay. Um, Then I want to reflect on my experience and observations. Uh, I'm 52. I've been involved in ministry for a long time, and it's all been regional Australia. Um, Then I want to reflect on, um, as part of this, problems and challenges, uh, the solution. Hey, there's a solution. You'll all listen up to that one, and uh, the opportunities as I see them. Okay, so that's, that's where we're going to go. Um, a great commission mindset. A little while ago, uh, after I'd been at OEC for a while, I started to think, we need to change our mindset. How am I going to do it? So I went through the whole mission statement vision thing. The more I thought about it, the more I thought, well, Jesus gave it to us. I'm a pretty simple bloke, okay? Uh, the Great Commission, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptise, preach, and I am with you to the end of the age. I thought, that's it. Um, uh, just just what, what does that mean? All authority, okay? All authority. Jesus is the boss, I'm not sure whether you're from Presbyterian, Baptist, Anglican, uh, the bishop, the presbytery, the diaconate, the parishioners, your wife. No, none of them are the boss. Jesus is the boss. And as far as I'm concerned, and it's got me into trouble, the bishop needs to uh, live under what Jesus has to say. Um, that's the first part of, the, of Great Commission mindset. Go. He said, go, not stay. Not, fellas, let's stay here on the mountain and see you'll turn up and let's make him into disciples. Go into all the world. uh, And make disciples. I think that's a great command. What do you do when you meet a Christian? You make him a disciple. You you teach him, you you mature him. What do you meet when you meet a non-Christian? Hey, you're not a disciple yet. I've got to convert you. you. You're telling the gospel. That's a command for everyone. Make disciples, and the great thing is, I am with you. The book of Acts kicks off. Jesus says, "You know, you're going to be empowered from on high, and what is the power for? To witness. I am with you, and that's the story of the book of Acts, of um, of uh, Jesus being with those he sent, and uh, those who uh, who were sent, who were sent." with them and he's still with us. Hey, it's a great plan, isn't it? I mean, here 2,000 years at the bottom down under in Shepparton there's a bunch of people sitting around talking about Jesus being Lord, like it's worked. And how's it worked? Well, so here's the question that drives me about ministry for regional and... uh, uh, a mindset for regional Australia, for everywhere. How do I make disciple-making disciples in regional and rural and remote Australia? I think that's the question we all... See, Jesus said, go and make disciples. And what, what are the disciples? They make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. So, you know, that's the question. Wherever you're from, whatever you're doing, whether you're a mum at home with your kids, a pastor of a church, you think about planning a church your teacher, you've got a commission, a command from Jesus. Make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. It's a great plan. Now Craig's actually going to tell us, kind of just dial us in to how you you get a church to think about doing that. So I'm not going to really um, talk about that. Um, Now, you go, okay, the Great Commission... Jesus tells 11, uh, 11 blokes, and it says that some feared and some doubted, they sound like a pretty ordinary mob to me, and he says, go and take the world. Yeah, yeah right, okay. Well, what's that look like? Well, the New Testament tells us what it looks like. So um, the New Testament tells us, shows us, that God's mission organisation is actually the church. It's not... Like, all the missionaries that we know, what do they do? They go and plant churches. Like, God's mission organisation is the church. Um, And as you read through the New Testament, read through the book of Acts, you know, churches send people. So you you think, just follow Paul's, what he did. He comes from Jerusalem. He sets up base in Antioch, a church, a church in Ephesus, a church in Corinth. The whole time he's moving west, go west, young man, uh, the whole time he's expecting and asking and including the churches to be involved in his mission. He really gets what 2 Corinthians is about. He's really cheesed off because these guys are going to water over some super apostles. And he's saying, hey, this was going to be a, a mission base for me to go further west. Rome, he, in the letter to the Romans, he says, I'm coming to you guys and I want to go to Spain. Now, We tend to think about the the missionary Paul but um, I really like it that uh, Russ picked up on on Philippians. You read Philippians and just pick up on words like share, partnership, fellowship. Uh, This is what Paul says about the... uh, I didn't put it up there. Okay. Uh, This is what Paul says about the Philippian church, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Now, friends, I, 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 I've never understood why people say I'm going to be a missionary and go overseas. Because what do we do when we go overseas? Do we train missionaries to come back to Australia? No, we train locals to hang around and be missionaries in their culture. One of my, one of my things is I raise up young blokes in regional rural Australia, and I say I want you to go to college, and I want you to come back here. And I get really annoyed when they go to college and they say I'm going overseas. I say what for? You can't even speak the language. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I get carried away a bit, but so I, I, I want you to. I want you to. This is part of the mind shift that Russ is talking about. Like, where did we get the idea that um, the church is a retirement village where you, a retirement home where you find your place and you stay comfortable till you die? Um, where where do we get the idea that the Great Commission applies to someone else? So that's my conviction, okay? And, and that's, that kind of drives me. Um, and, but, but uh, Craig's going to help us think about how we, you know, mobilise the church. Um, I'm looking forward to what Craig's got to say. I won't try and say what he's going to say. Okay, um, my experience and observations. Firstly, I just want to give you a bit of an idea of um, where I've been. Um, so you can see the map, uh, Bilpin. Bilpin. Uh, I, lived, I grew up 100 k from Sydney in this little enclave, little, little kind of place. They, we were hillbillies. Um, and as I grew up, the city encroached on me, but um, I ended up going west. But I, w- I want to tell you about, uh, about how I grew up. I grew up in, an, in a church, an independent church that my grandfather started. He was converted long before I was born. And he just started a church um, with Brethren uh, influence But there's only two blokes he would read and take any notice of apart from the Bible, and that was Luther and Calvin. Uh, I grew up listening to Luther and Calvin and the Bible being preached by my passionate grandfather. Passionate evangelist. He preached repentance and holiness every time he preached. Um, When I think back, I realise that my grandfather discipled me. I didn't know it at the time, but he did. Um, while I was at Bilpin, also an Anglican minister came to Currajong named Neil, Neil Prott and I went down to his church and he actually started to put shape in the Bible for me, helped me to read the Bible and think theologically. Okay, so I had passion from Grandpa and uh, some sort of structure. So it got me thinking. Anyway, I went west. Now the reason I went west to ningan so you see Ningen up there in northwest New South Wales, was because while I was at Bilpin, while I, while I grew up, some guys came down from the bush to do their apprenticeship in Sydney. While they were down they were converted, came along to, you know, um, they became Christians. They were, they were going back to Ningen on the farm uh, and I thought if these guys go out west with, with no Christian fellowship they're just going to, I don't know where they'll be. So I thought... I'm going west. I'm sick of this place anyway. So I went, I went west, went farming. Um, and, and while I was there, went to the Uniting Church. Uh, so this is all at Ningen. Uh The two crosses there you see, X marks the spot. The, the southern one down near Nimergy is where I used to share farm and, and work and the northern one north of Ningin is where I actually got my own farm out there. Um, so I want to tell you about my experience in the Ningin Uniting Church. And I think this may be typical of experience in regional Australia. Um, Neville Gibbs was the minister there when I got there. He was a converted coal miner. Everything he knew from the Bible he learnt while in the southern highlands of New South Wales through Moore College PTC program. That's, that, that was his training and he was brilliant. Um, passionate evangelist, preached well. He'd walk out of church, lean on the, lean on the rail roll a smoke, and, uh, and talk to the locals. He was brilliant. Um, <clears throat> he, he uh, uh, but, but um, denominational ministry in Ningen burnt him out. Can I, can I say that one of my observations is that denominational ministry in regional Australia has divided and conquered itself. In Ningen, there were four Protestant churches, they all basically believed the same thing but they majored on the minors and spent all their energy defending why they have their own church. And I I just used to think, what's going on here? Why don't we all just knock all these buildings down and put up a tent somewhere and and Protestants, people who actually believe in the doctrines of grace and the Bible, unite and get on with it. Denominational ministry burnt Neville out because he was was an evangelical struggling. He was replaced by a liberal fellow, and I think I mentioned this in that brief interview, uh, which led to me starting a church. I just said, I'll do what Grandpa did. We don't have to put up with this nonsense. We'll just start a church. Now, what that did for me was taught me that I didn't know half as much as I thought I did. (laughs) And so so, uh, God, in his grace and wisdom, helped me realise that uh, farming... Is of no eternal consequence, and we were going to go broke anyway. So pull the pin and go on. Uh, so I went to more College and did four years there. Um, while I was there, I met the. I, I went to Tamworth and became an Anglican. They spent three years trying to turn me into an Anglican, and having failed, sent me to Warrigalda where they thought I couldn't do too much damage. Um, I want to reflect on Tamworth. Um, Tamworth is a um, City of about forty thousand people, a regional regional city, as um, an evangelical church. But what I saw there, that mission was pushed aside by ministry. What I mean by that is there was a service mentality, which um, replaced the servant mentality. So we hatched, matched, and dispatched hundreds and hundreds of people, baptism weddings, funerals, um, and the demands of supplying ministry ministry, uh, in the denominational sense uh, left no space for effective disciple-making. Um, yes, I saw people converted, uh, but I worked very, very hard there, along with the, with the, the head minister who I respect and love as a Christian brother, but I thought, this is craziness. Um, can, I, can I just say, as I go through, I, I tend to just say what's on my mind, and I don't want to offend anyone. I know that in rural regional Australia, I've seen fantastic uniting, Presbyterian, Anglican, Baptist, independent churches, and I've seen shocking. <laughs> I, I've, seen, I've seen it at all. I'm not really trying to beat up on anyone. I'm just trying to... Get us to think uh, that that our church is God's mission organisation. It's not our little enclave. Okay. So then I moved, uh, went uh, north to Warielda. The bishop sent me up there. Like I said, didn't think I could do too much damage up there. Warrialda was a town of thirteen hundred people. It's not a very big town, in a district of three and a half thousand people that uh, covered about four hundred square kilometres. Okay, so it's fairly thinly dispersed. I went there determined to use Anglicanism to serve the gospel. I thought, okay, I'm determined. Um, and so when I got there, I began with change. I, 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 um, I said, uh, okay, fellas, uh, to the wardens, we're not, I'm not going to use the prayer book. We're going to we're going to use, we'll be Anglican and people will understand. But I'm not going to use the prayer book. I'm not going to wear robes. Um, girls wear dresses. I'm not I'm not wearing them. Um, and we're going to have less Holy Communion. Uh, and, but I but I said I'm going to explain to the I'm going to tell people that I'm going to do this right right from the word go. And they're all going who who oh, this this is pretty radical stuff. So I said well. I said, uh, Worry is a small town that is shrinking and we haven't got five years just to muck around and the one thing we achieve is we go from robes to no robes. We've actually got to start getting things happening here or this church won't survive. I said, okay. And they were Christian guys, which was great. I've got friends whose, some of the leaders in their church aren't Christians and that makes it really tough. So basically, I I just called a church meeting and I said, now, folks, I want to ask you a question. Do you want this church to be still functioning in 30 years' time? Absolutely. Okay. I said, "Um, I want to tell you how we can do that. Got all their ears. They all listened up. And I told them what I was going to do. And I said, I'm going to annoy you for about two years. You're going to wish I never came. You're going to think this is the worst thing that ever happened. But I said, I think... I think that we'll start to see people come to church. Do you want people to come to church? Yeah. So that's what I did. Um, I just figured it made sense. Um, I, um, then what I did was I set up strategic Bible studies and the first Bible study I set up was with the Mother's Union. We had 10 women, all, you know, 70 plus, I said, would you ladies like me to come and have a Bible study with you? Oh, yeah. You know, the lovely young minister's going to come and have a Bible study with us. This has never happened. I took them through just for starters. A bunch of them, a bunch of them were converted. And, and, they, and so they turn up. They turn up at church all of a sudden going, wow, you know, church is great. I'm learning stuff from the Bible. I didn't know you did that. You know, they were converted. Um, set up strategic Bible studies around around the district. So out roads where, you know, people were travelling, you know, a fair way to church so that, so that they were studying the Bible. I closed down the satellite churches, got a whole lot of people really. I said, well, if you can come to church for the football, I'd go down and I'd see them at the football on Sunday over. but they couldn't come to church. I'd go, well, if you can come to, come to town for the football, you can come to town for church. So let's stop having church out there, you know. <sighs> The shock, horror. Um, I wasn't trying to annoy people. Um, I was just trying to dial them in to the gospel and help them realise that we were there to make disciples who made disciples. And, and God, God was very gracious um, and, and the church grew a little. Um, and we put on a youth worker and a few things happened. The other thing I did at warri Elder was that I, I started working regionally, um, uh, started a preaching workshop and uh, we had guys travelling you know, three, ks to come and learn how to preach, which was just fantastic. But while I was at warri Elder, the new bishop, uh, we had a new bishop and he asked me to be an archdeacon. And I don't know if you know what that is. I still don't know what it is. But they used to call me... My mates called me also. You wouldn't believe the horrible names I can think up for Archdeacons. And I thought, this is great. This gets... I'll be able to change the diocese, you know. Um, so I got involved. But what I saw was... Uh, and I respect... I love those guys up there. I think they do a great job. But it wasn't me. I, I just... I'm not a very good Anglican, you know. I'm sorry. Um... And the demands of the diocese slowly began to take over what I was doing in Worry started taking over my life, (laughs) and I thought um, the bishop had plans for me and I just started to think, I don't know where I'm going to go here because um, denominationalism was starting to win and I didn't like it. I was getting frustrated. So that's uh, my time at Worry Then uh, OEC, Orange Evangelical Church, contacted me and asked me to go in there. So so I went back to my uh, independent evangelical roots. Um, OEC had a great foundation laid, gifted, mature, focused people. It was wonderful. But two two observations I made when I went there. They were Sunday-centred. So much thought, time, energy went into the one and a half hour Sunday meeting on Sunday. We had three congregations and three ministers preparing three different sermons. I thought this is ridiculous. Um, I think that's a problem. Sunday centric. What? What we don't? What happens the other six days a week? Do we? Are we not mission minded then? That's a, that's a big thing we need to change. Uh, The other thing is I just asked people for a year, why why is OEC here? Answer, Bible teaching. Great answer, but only a part of the answer. I thought, no, no, no. No, we're not just here for Bible teaching. That's stuff for Christians. What about uh, disciple-making? And so, um, you know, after a period of time and I felt like I was part of the team, and I'd tried to arrive, become part of the team now. I was leading the team. I said, okay, we've got to revision this place. And uh, I've revisioned it with the Great Commission, with a, with a few, um, you know, modern tweaks, I suppose. Um, the gospel must drive everything we do. To be mission, a mission-minded church, to be God's mission organisation, repentance and faith... Uh, must be what drives us, the gospel. Uh, the way you, you carry on in the Christian life and continue ministry is the way you enter the Christian life, repentance and faith. Um, you need to preach that. Um, and we need to make ministry, in its, in its classic kind of description, a subset of mission, not the other way around. Jesus said, go and make disciples, um, not stay. Um, one of the things that I've seen I think makes an awful lot of difference, one of the things that really helped me at, at Worry was I was a country boy. Um, I used to go and drive farmer's headers, give them a day off, I'd go and shoot their pigs, shoot their roos, harvest their wheat, shear their sheep. I was, I was in ministry heaven really. That helped a lot. But but I want to say, while that helps an awful lot, and we need we need the regional natives back in in regional Australia, um, um, godly, local, gifted leadership, making decisions about the local church and not letting the denomination or the presbytery drive what happens in the local church is uh, really, really important. Okay. I meant to say at the start, if you want to ask questions, feel free, and I'll decide whether I'll answer them or not. <laughs> um, okay, I'll 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 keep going. Now, now a few few observations, the problems and the challenges as I see them. First one I want to talk about is uh, population. I think we have got up there. Uh, no, nope. wrong, wrong. Um, population. And I suppose population movement and decline. In big regional, Think let's think big regional cities in New South Wales. I only know New South Wales really, southwest Queensland a bit. If you add together Tamworth, Dubbo, Orange, Bathurst, Wagga, you come up with about 250,000 people. And you go, wow, that's a lot of people. I, I imagine, Craig, you'd have about 250,000 people on the Central Coast, wouldn't you? Okay, now that, now that's just where, where Craigie's Gosford, what, Tookley at the north and the Hawkes River at the south. 250,000 people, and this is scattered all over New South Wales. Now, population is, is something you, we've got to understand. Um, at the moment, the only area registering more than 2% growth in New South Wales is Orange Bathurst. And that's because of university mining and medicine, and that 's just two percent growth I, I don't know what the growth is up up where you are um, yeah yep, so that's population growth uh, so that's new people coming into t- into into towns is not you know it happens a little bit in the big cities um so so orange is the only one above two percent the other major cities are between 1% and 2%. Virtually the rest of New South Wales is 0 to 1% They can't measure it. And Broken Hill um, is actually declined. It's gone down 80 people. Um, I, I, I didn't mention on, on the map there I, I had Broken Hill and Shepherd and up as well just because I'm, I kind of am involved with the church plant that's going into Broken Hill and have got to know the guys down here. Um, now that's just a fact of life. Um... And, but there's some other things that come with that. At OEC, like, there's a big movement of people through regional centres in Australia. Uh, Orange is a place... Uh, regional, regional Australia is a place that people move through and just a few people stay. The kind of, people, kind of place where people move to and stay is the coast. It's Port Macquarie, it's Coffs It might be the central coast. You know, you know, they, they move there and they stay. So at, so what this means for OEC, we've got about, if you count the kids, we're up to about 650 people. But I've been trying to work it out and there's somewhere between 800 and 1,000 people have come to and moved through Orange and OEC to end up with 600 people. Now, it's great in this, in this that there's a whole lot of people now on the coast who I think we've encouraged in the faith and tried to get a bit more mission-minded. They're probably doing great stuff elsewhere. But something you've got to get used to in regional rural Australia is people come and go. Are you saying 800 have moved, and moved in and then moved out? Um, I'm, I'm saying that, that somewhere somewhere around two to 400 people um, have come and gone because of their work. You know, you come for medical training, teacher training, uh, mine the mines. We're just getting so many people through mining. Um, they come and go. So it's taken 1,000 to get 600? Yeah. It's taken a throughput of a 1,000 to get 600. Yeah. 1, to get 600. Uh, and that's the nature of the beast, population movement in regional Australia. Now, that's just orange, and, and, and that's not accurate. Someone will say, oh, it's wrong. I'm just giving a general, general rule of thumb. <coughs> Yeah. So that, that leaves the, the places in, in kind of rural New South Wales where the population is static, stays about the same. Um, I think what, what it means for, for those places is stability of theology and reputation as a church is really important because you haven't got new people coming to convert. You're actually trying to convert the people who've probably heard a liberal watered-down gospel for a lot of their life. It's hard work. Not impossible, but it's hard work. And, and stability um, uh, is... Um, stability of theology... Leadership, uh, your local reputation, really, really important. The other, the other uh, problem or challenge is understanding um, regional existence, understanding what it means to be part of a rural regional town. Now, here I'm talking to people who probably you, you know, and you can say, "I, oh, yeah, I kind of agree or might disagree." here 's a few observations on that a, a town or a city in regional Australia is got to be thought of as an island it 's physically isolated and there might be a town twenty ks away and they, they but but they're two separate two separate islands and the people are islanders it has a culture all of its own because it's got different different um, climatic leadership um, industrial all these different things make up uh, towns differently. I think when you're thinking ministry in uh, mission in regional Australia, you've got to think cross-cultural ministry. You've got to be just as cross-cultural in your thinking, in your approach, as if you're going to Papua New Guinea. And one of the great problems, and this is one of the, the big things that the, the, um, the uh, denominations by their very nature get wrong every time. I uh, like, and I'll use a, a concrete example, in the Armidale Diocese it goes from Armidale, uh, Highland, Cool, they call it the New England. They all drive around in Volvos wearing toy jackets and hats. You know, you see them coming. You go out west and you've got Lightning Ridge. They're all criminals, okay? Now the bishop... Thought that he could sit in New England Armadale, and decide how Rick Maud made of mine, or to minister in Lightning Ridge, and I said, Peter, you've got no idea, mate. You've got no idea. Just do you trust trust Morty? Oh well. Well, if you do, just let him off the leash and let him get on with it. You you like and every one of those uh, like say so, Worry Elder. Um, is a place where innovate, there's innovative farmers. You go 100k's east uh, to to uh, Inverell and and uh, Glen Innes, conservative farmers. These guys out here are working out. You can't relate to them the same way. Um, you got you, you, it, it really is cross cultural ministry and. And church planting in regional Australia, you need to take this into account. You've got to become an islander. You've got to love the islanders. You've got to be committed to the island. You've got to have fun on the island. You can't just go every time you want to have fun, you've got to leave. You you know, it's it's, uh, really important. Um, You've got to ask yourself, what do you want to have established and working here in 10 years' time? Don't worry about next year. Ten years' time. And you've got to work out how you're going to get there, plot your course and hold it and do it. Um, The other thing I'll say about regional uh, life is that leadership really counts. Um, In the bush, uh, people are there having a go. You, You don't live in the bush in the country if you're not having a go. And they respect people who turn up and have a go and, and lead. Okay. All right, now it's kind of you, you, you're going to think that Russ and I sort of swapped notes on this, but uh, we didn't. Um, the solution: a mission mind shift. Um, and um, yeah, we need a mission mind shift. We need to realise that mission isn't somewhere else. Mission starts at home. It's like charity. It starts at home. Um, we've got to work out how to articulate and put into practice the Great Commission in our hometown. And uh, I can, if you want to know, I can tell you how I did that at OEC. Um, so a mission mind shift. We need long-term leadership with clarity of vision. Typically in denominational churches, partly because of, of the pressure of ministry, pressure uh, ministry in small towns is... is uh, it's, it's actually quite difficult. Um, but people get moved on and we need to stick around. We need to stick around. Um, can I say that... Uh, One of the things that that doesn't help us in Australia is our communication. It's so good it's a problem. So someone can, like friends of mine, are going to plant a church in Broken Hill. And you know what they'll find hard? They'll come to Geneva Push, they'll go to our FIEC conferences and they'll hear about 1,600 people at Central Coast. They'll hear about churches along the coast growing. And I'll go home and they'll go, wow. You know, we've got one new bloke in two years. Um, we, we've, we've got to actually focus on what we're doing, not on what others are doing. We thank God for what others are doing. We've got to be like the missionaries. You know, do we tell missionaries to give up when, it, when things haven't changed in the last 12 months? No. We say, what do you need to help us do it? We've got to set up partnerships to help us in mission. So Matt and Kylie are going to Broken Hill. They've got one year to go in, in, um, at SMBC and they're drumming up prayer support, financial support, um, through Geneva Push, uh, through Genesis Foundation. That's what they're doing. They're going on mission to Broken Hill. They're not going to be pastor a church. Actually, they are. But pastoring a church means you're going on mission. We've really got to get this. The other thing is what I've already mentioned is we've got to raise up locals to be trained and come back. Um, so I think we've got our fifth one at the moment going through uh, SMBC and he'll be, God willing, going back to rural Australia. Um, really important. Um, I didn't write this down here, but part of that is you've got to work out how to be a minister to blue-collar workers. And Australian evangelicalism, because, like to be evangelical means you're serious about the book. And if you're serious about the book... You go and you, you do study at a place like SMBC or Moore College. See, I never used to be an academic. I never used to be tertiary trained. I try to act like I am, but I'm not. I'm just a boofhead who's been to Moore College. <laughs> but the fact is that most evangelical ministers uh, in Australia are recruited through the great organisation like AFES. They're recruited from university. They're, re- they're recruited because... I've got to tell you if you've never written an essay in your life never done a bit of study in your life and you go to more college it's hard work I did it for four years best thing I ever did but we've got to work out how we can minister to blue collar workers we need those drivers who are drivers who are ministers and I've got one at, at, more, at SMBC at the moment so that's, that's part of the solution um, okay opportunities that's my next point I think, yep, opportunities. I think they're enormous, uh, but they've but they've got to be they've got to be viewed within the context of what of of what regional and rural Australia is. They can't be great and go, you know, and compare them to big coastal churches. Um, here's why I think they're great: you have the opportunity to influence a whole town and a whole region. So while I was in Wariela, I made the claim, and I stick to it, that every person in that district heard the gospel. You know why I know that? Because I buried everyone who died in Wariela, even the Roman Catholics. And I preached, that's, I preached the funeral at every funeral I did. Um, I talked about um, people like leadership. When I went to Wariela, they were going to close the local Wariela hospital. I knew John Anderson, who was our member. We got together. I set up the Save the Hospital organisation and we ended up building a new one. And not only not closed, but we built a new one. Um, and I led the charge on that. Um, and the, and the, I used my position as the Anglican vicar to get the, the impetus to do that. They built that actually after I'd left, but it, but it happened. Um, you know what? People would come to church if I told them to. I'd go and visit farmers. I had this really simple way of communicating the gospel. You can do it with a stick in the ground. Say, that's the way God expects you to live. Do you live that way? Oh, yeah, and you can very easily help them realise they don't. So I draw a wobbly line down here. Okay, that's the way you live, isn't it? You're just going your own way, doing your own thing. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's right. There's a Bible verse, you know, all we like sheep have gone astray you like a sheep, aren't you? Just wandering off doing, yeah, that's right, yeah, that's right, that, that's me, I've got to be true. That's... I said, well, if, if you if you go God's way, where do you end up? H, heaven. If you go, if you walk away from God, where, where do you end up? H, hell. You tell me I'm going to hell? Pretty much. <laughs> um, what a, okay. I said, so here's, here's what you've got to do. Um, you've got to find out about Jesus, just draw a cross in. He's the way you get back to the right path, and, and you know how you're going to do that? You've got to come to church. And they'd turn up. It was amazing. Um, you just you just do have influence in those places if you've got credibility and uh, care about people that will come along. Um, yeah. Um, can, I, can I say uh, one of the things that, that I did at Warialda when I went there as well that I think it's sort of this cross-cultural stuff. What I realised was that the Anglican church was a gentleman's church. They all wore moleskins and... Drove around in in uh, land land cruisers and and all the yobos, all the locals, never came to church. And I thought, well, this is and, 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 and up front at church, we had all the all the the people who travel through, the teachers and the bankies, because they're all tertiary educated and they all speak well and they all do things really well, and it made them feel good about church. So I said, okay, all you really well educated people, you're going to be my Bible study leaders, and and all you locals. Let's face it. In, a lot of people can read the Bible, can pray, and can lead a service. I got them up so that the the feel of the service was local. I always remember I got the local stock and station agent, agent up to read the Bible, and he sounded like Paul Hogan, you know, you know, crocodile Dundee <laughs> reincarnated. And the first Bible reading he did was from the Old Testament, and there was all these names, you know, uh, you know, long names. And he stops halfway through the reading and he goes, Fair he goes, fair dinkum, Bruce, if you're going to give me something to read, uh, going to give me a Bible reading, will you give me something I can read? <laughs> the whole place cracks up. He goes, now settle down, settle down, let's get back to it. And he finished the Bible reading. I reckon it was the best Bible reading ever in Worry Church. Now the effect of that was, I used to run, uh, you know, have funerals and there's a whole lot of people wouldn't come into the church and the effect of it was was that they started to come in. Um, and you've got to really think about, about that. And I think that will apply wherever you go. You've got to read the locals and work out how you engage with them. Um, in, in in OEC, um, I, yeah, I've, I've sort of said a little bit about the regional stuff. We've just had a Will Graham event. Um, that's Billy Graham's grandson evangelistic event and and i 've been able to lead the charge on that and really become a fairly prominent person in people 's minds in the churches in orange and it's been it's been really really good that's something that you can do in a regional place uh, you know in a in a in a country town you can grab those opportunities so the opportunities are great um, um, <clears throat> i I'll, I'll just finish with this I think that in, in country towns, just to quote to Peter, I think it provides a great opportunity for Christians to live such good lives among the pagans that though they, they accuse you of doing wrong. They see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Um, you, you, you're very public. It's kind of a fishbowl life um, for Christians, not just ministers. Uh, but as, as you would know, that brings difficulties with it as well.